Hello Life Changes Church, we are so excited that you clicked on this video. We are in a series called What's It Like? As we look at the parables that Jesus told as he unpacked the kingdom of God for us. So why don't you get ready, sit back, grab a notebook, grab a pen as we get encouraged by this word. Hello, hello everybody. It is so, so good. It's always a privilege to be able to preach. I just, um, I never take it for granted. I don't normally preach. <laughs> and the, well, I preach a lot at the ladies' evenings. So, but it really is a privilege to share this word that really is burning in my heart this morning for you guys. And um, we've actually come to the last week of our series, What It's Like, where we've been going through some of the, the parables where Jesus speaks about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And um, I don't know about you, but it has been incredibly challenging because God's kingdom is so different to the world's kingdom, right? His kingdom is an upside down, inside out, the other way around type of kingdom. It is incredibly challenging. Jesus speaks about the last coming first and the first last. He speaks about praying for our enemies, loving our enemies. Um, he speaks about, he often deals with the heart, not outward appearance or outward works. He talks about the meek inheriting the earth and um, the kingdom of heaven belongs to people who have a childlike faith. It is just so different to the way the world works. And um, there would have been a crowd uh, listening to Jesus tell these parables about the kingdom of heaven. And part of that crowd would have been um, his 12 disciples that walked closely with him. It would have been the teachers of the law, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. And they all had this idea about the coming Messiah and the kingdom. But Jesus was challenging their wrong ideas. He was challenging um, them and teaching them. Parables is just a story to teach them something, a truth, a different truths about the kingdom of heaven. And um, so today, I'm so excited. I'm going to be sharing on the parable of the hidden treasure. And if you can turn with me in your Bibles, or if you don't have your Bibles, go on your app on your phone, or look on the screen behind me. And it is just one verse, not very long. Matthew 13, verse 44. It says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. So I'm just going to explain a little bit about the story of the parable. And then I'm going to just share something of what Jesus was trying to teach us about his kingdom. And um, the setting here is of a buried treasure in a field. And in those days, there were no banks or anything like that. So it was typical for people to gather all their wealth and bury it in the ground. And um, the finder is perhaps a farm laborer or yeah, like a farm worker working the field. And he finds this treasure. And though he would have been entitled to this treasure because he found it, he couldn't he couldn't take the treasure. He had to buy the whole field. He had to own the field in order to have this, this treasure. And um, there was a cost to getting this treasure. You can imagine him standing in the field and doing a quick cost-benefits analysis. And um, it didn't take him long to realize that actually selling everything that he had would have made him the wealthiest man ever, like a dream come true. And... Um, the benefits so far outweighed the costs that he would have been foolish not to sell everything, right? So 
I was trying to think of an example for today, um, of today, to try and explain this cost-benefits um, thing, you know, but I'm not really like a financial type person. <laughs> I come from like an artistic sort of graphic designer sort of background, so the only thing I could think of was the game of Monopoly. We all know Monopoly, right? And my family, my kids are a little bit grow a bit older now, and we love to play Monopoly on holiday when we've got time, because, wow, that game takes forever. I don't know if you've ever finished Monopoly, but it takes forever. We actually did manage to, fin manage to finish it. But I just want to set the scene for you. Now, you can imagine, okay, well, I've got two very competitive boys and a very competitive father, okay, to add in the mix, very. And then I've got, a, a, my middle child is kind of emotional and sensitive and kind, you know, well, they're, they're all kind, but, you know, he's a bit more emotional. So I'm just setting the scene here. Now, Judah and Mark are like knocking heads. They are shrewd businessmen. They are like selling and negotiating properties, whether to sell or buy or whatever. And it's just crazy. And, you know, and then Daniel, the little one who is competitive, quietly competitive, I just see him getting quieter and quieter because he's losing his money. And the tear is just, we just see this tear very... You know, it's like, and then Ben feels bad, my sensitive one, and he's giving his money away. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that. So I just thought I'd share that with you. It's just, it was wild. It was fiery. It was crazy. And I'm trying to keep the peace. I'm the peacemaker, and I'm trying to make sure everyone's following the rules and everyone's okay. But anyway, put that aside. All, you know, we all know that the most valuable properties on Monopoly on the one side of the board, right? The dark blue, the dark green, I think it's Tigerberg Valley, Bloberg Strand even fits into that category. Amazing, go Bloberg. And they are the most expensive, expensive properties. They cost a lot at first, but you get paid high rentals every time anyone lands on your properties, right? So those are the ones to purchase. They have the most value. And when you know the high value of something, you don't mind what it costs to get it. You'll do whatever it takes to get it. You'll pay a high price for it. And so it was with this farm worker. He realized the benefit far outweighed the cost of him selling everything he had. The value of the treasure was worth way more than anything he owned. This was a joyful trade. It wasn't a burden. It wasn't difficult. It says that in his joy, he went and sold everything that he had. Because it was an, almost like an unfair advantage working in his favor. He just couldn't believe it. This wasn't a grudge payment. This wasn't like paying your insurance or your electricity, you know. Oh, okay, I've got to just, you know. This was done in joy. And I can just imagine, I'm just trying to sit, you know, picture the scene. I can imagine his neighbor looking at this man, selling all his possessions with absolute joy and thinking, this man's gone mad. He might have thought, I better speak to this man because he's probably going to, put his family in trouble. He's selling everything he's got. He's, you know, he must have been confused at his joy in doing all of this. It must, have, it must have seemed completely foolish, but he would have been the fool not to sell everything to get that treasure. And you might be thinking, Candace, what are you on about? Why are you speaking about treasures and possessions? And how exactly does this apply to my life? Well, the main thing actually that we learn from this parable and what I want to speak about is this treasure is Jesus Christ and this treasure is his kingdom. And this is so valuable that losing everything on earth but getting his kingdom, getting Jesus is a happy trade-off. It's a happy, joyful exchange. So my title this morning, if you're taking notes, it's not what it costs, it's what it's worth. It's not what it costs, it's what it's worth. So I'm just going to pray for us. Father God, I thank you for this time this morning. 
I thank you, Jesus, that you are here in the room, that your presence is here. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word, your truth, your, your presence, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this morning in your precious name. Amen. So my heart and my prayer today is that we would all recognize the value and the worth of Jesus and his kingdom, that that would shift our focus, it would realign our perspective and our, our values and priorities and transform the way we live, actually transform the way we live. And this would be done with such a joy, it wouldn't be a heavy burden, it wouldn't be hard. And um, before I go on, I just want to explain the kingdom of heaven um, although we have been speaking a lot about this, but just want to make it clear. The kingdom of heaven is God's rule and his reign, and it's partly present and it's partly future. So partly present here on earth, we see some of his kingdom come. We see heaven come in part. So we see healing in part. We don't see the fullness of healing. We see spiritual gifts in part, but we don't see the fullness. But in future, we will see Jesus come back for his bride. And in Revelation, it talks about no death, no decay, no sin, no sadness, no pain. That will be the fullness of God's rulership and his reign. So we need to understand that there is a present value, but there's also a future value in his kingdom. So my first point is this, knowing its worth, knowing its worth. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure. I was trying to think of um, like treasure hunts and stuff, and I, the only thing I could think of was the Easter egg hunt. You know, we all have those, we've all been through it as kids and we've got kids, and the kids treat those chocolate Easter eggs like gold, right? They will do whatever it takes, they'll climb whatever tree or dive into whatever bush or dig into the dirt to get those chocolate eggs because they are precious, they're a treasure. And then I was thinking also of Black Friday, although I don't think it's such a thing anymore, but Black Friday, I mean to get that deal on that TV or that washing machine, you will queue up in those crowds outside macro, outside game. I don't know if you've seen those videos, it's pretty hectic. When they open those doors, those people are going after that treasure because it is precious. They are going to get their deals, you know. But do we search hard after God's kingdom? Do we search hard after Jesus? And do we do all that it takes to get Jesus in our lives? And do we get our hands dirty? What price can you put on salvation? What price can you put on being free from sin? What value can you put on being with God, knowing God, knowing his presence? The kingdom of God is rich beyond comparison. You can't compare it to anything on earth. It is unfading. It is imperishable. It, is, it satisfies our deepest, deepest thirst, and it fulfills our deepest longings. This is Jesus. Do you know that Jesus has created and designed each and every single one of us to be with him, with a longing after him? In um, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, the Amplified Version, it says, He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Some of you might be sitting here, perhaps with a God-sized hole in your hearts, and the only thing that is going to fill that is God himself. The only thing that is going to fill that is God himself. And uh, maybe you've been trying to fill it with counterfeits, like to bring satisfaction. Perhaps it's alcohol. Perhaps it's sex. Perhaps it's pills. I don't know. I don't know your story. I don't know. Perhaps it's another person, a relationship. But only Jesus, the living water of Jesus, will quench that thirst because he has created you for him. 
He's created you for Jesus. And um, we were created for eternity and relationship with God. Having all the money in the world will never satisfy you. Climbing the corporate ladder will never completely satisfy you. You'll never find ultimate satisfaction in another person, in a thing. Um, Nothing but the living water of Christ will quench that thirst. The kingdom of God, um, it calms our wildest storms in life, right? It lifts our heaviest burdens. Nothing else can do that. Nothing else can give you that peace that transcends human understanding in your wildest storms. It takes the unloved, it takes in the unloved, the unnoticed, the outcasts. It puts people in, into, it restores relationships. It puts people into families, community. Um, it, places, it, it, it renews purpose. It gives hope. It brings life to dead things. Nothing else on this earth can do that. Only Jesus. It is unearned. It's a free gift. Where else do you find that? It's a free gift, a gift of grace and mercy. This is the lavish love of the Father, a Father in heaven who loves you, ma'am, who loves you, sir. And um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son for you. He loved the world so much. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 11, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask him? I just think the kingdom of God is the kingdom of the how much more. The kingdom of the how much more. Um, Ephesians speaks about to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, think, or imagine. I love that. The kingdom of the immeasurably, immeasurably more. And God wants us to see this. God wants us to experience this. This is what he's got for you. That This is what he's got for me. Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a treasure of great value, hidden in a field worth so much that it was a joy for the man to sell all that he had to buy the field. We need revelation. We need revelation of the worth and value of God's kingdom. The more revelation we have, the more it'll be easy for us to give up certain things, to give up things with joy. Our heart needs reminding because my heart needs reminding. I get tempted. We get tempted for things of less value in this world. And um, we get so easily distracted and too focused on temporary things instead of eternal things. Um, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I want to ask you this morning, and I'm asking myself the same question, where is your heart? Where is your heart naturally inclining or desiring after? Is it Jesus? Is he your precious treasure? And, um, you know, our treasures can be more than just money, more than material things. It can be our time. It can be our gifting. It can be our, our intellect, our successes. Um, and these things aren't bad or evil. Don't hear what I'm not saying. God gives good gifts to us on earth to serve him, to serve his purposes, for us to enjoy. These aren't evil things, but it's when we place these things in place of God, when we place these things above God, when we, we trust in the, these things more than God, when we um, love these things and desire after these things more than God, then they become idols in our lives and they become treasures 
more treasurable than Jesus. And um, it's not easy. I know it's not easy. We live in a world who, with a perspective that says, he who dies with the most wins. Is that right? He who dies with the most, you know, the most money, the most education, the most adventurous experiences, uh, or the most trust funds. But this is the battle we're in. It's tough. It's really tough because eternal things you can't hold on to, you can't touch, you can't, you know what I mean? Um, temporary things, what we, what we live for here is it's, it's, you can feel it, you can touch it, you can, but um, this is the battle we're in. I just want to read a quote uh, which I read the other day and which I thought is so helpful by um, Michael Bennett Walton. It says, separated from Christ, unredeemed humanity worships beauty, hopes in the here and now, and fears all that reeks of age and death. The messages bombard us and the glances of others accuse us when we fail to sacrifice our time, energy, and money on these worldly altars. Secretly, we may find our own hearts caught up in the anxious pursuit of these things. Gosh, and how many, how many times my heart has kind of anxiously pursued some of these things, and I think it's true for all of us. And we've just, this, this morning, I just want to remind us of the precious treasure of Jesus and his kingdom. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Life isn't about accumulating money, possessions, power, fame. Life is about knowing God and fulfilling his purpose for us on this earth, sir and ma'am. He's created each of us for good works. Did you know that? In advance, he's created us for good works. We need an eternal perspective. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Lord, I want to see what is unseen. I want to fix my eyes on the eternal. I want an eternal heart, eternal eyes, eternal perspective. We were created for eternity. There's a bigger picture than the here and now. There's a mission and mandate that goes beyond ourselves, beyond ourselves. But we too easily exchange eternal things for temporary things. We exchange the truth for a lie. We exchange the creator for creation. We exchange um, humility for pride, love for lust. I was just thinking, we have this thing called FOMO. I don't know if you've heard of FOMO. Fear of missing out. I think Gabe and Mark are the worst at this. They hate to miss out on any opportunity, any experience. They often come to my Arise Ladies Nights and my ladies' meetings, and I'm like, FOMO, you've got FOMO. You need to just stay home. This is for the ladies, you know. We fear on missing out on things. On The fear of us missing out on things on this earth makes us miss out on eternal things. It should be the other way around, guys and girls. We should be fearing missing out on eternal things. We need, I've really been like convicted with that, that scripture that says, make the most of every opportunity. And in brackets it says, treating it as something precious. I want to make the most of every opportunity that God has placed in front of me. I really do. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. Don't miss out. We, God has given us this beautiful building, Century City. Don't miss out. This is what God has given us, Tableview Church. He's given us this building. Don't miss out on being a part of that faith venture and sowing into that. Don't miss out on coming to church and being a part of a community of people that love Jesus and are mission together. Don't miss out on giving that word, praying for that work colleague. Um, you know, uh, don't miss out. Don't let your kids miss out. Teach them about Jesus. Bring them to church. Kids, life kids, bring them to youth. You know, as parents, we so often fear our kids missing out on the best education and the best experience, but do they know Jesus? Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the treasure. We need to store up heavenly treasures. 
So besides the FOMO, F-O-M-O, we have the BBD. Have you heard the BBD? Bigger, better deal. Okay, I've got some friends that are the BBD friends. They, they, they won't commit to too much because there's always a bigger, better deal, a better opportunity, a better invite, and they're kind of a bit slippery, slidey, you know? So <laughs> the bigger, better deal, um, we live in a world where people don't like to commit. There's so many choices, so many options. There's always a better deal, a better opportunity, a better treasure. Um, but the only option that Jesus gives us is an all-in option. Don't settle for half-hearted, lukewarm Christianity, sir and ma'am. Don't settle. Um, we say, Lord, I'll give you everything, but don't touch my time. Lord, I'll give you everything, but don't touch my money. Lord, I'll give you everything, but I'm not going to stop sleeping with my boyfriend. We need, God wants everything of us. Every area of our lives, he's a jealous God. Let's spend everything on Jesus. He's worth it. He's better. He's better than any currency, any property, any trust fund, any security. We need to know his worth and his value. So that's point number one. Are, we, are you with me? Okay. <laughs> point number two. I feel like I'm, yeah, I am talking a lot. Well, because I am preaching, I suppose. Number two. Okay. Anyway, knowing the cost. Okay. Not just knowing the worth, but knowing the cost. We need revelation of the value of God's kingdom because in order to have it, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. In order for that farm laborer to have that treasure, it cost him all that he had to buy that field. To possess that treasure, he had to buy the whole field. You know, the problem is we don't want the whole field, right? We want just the treasure. We want Jesus but we don't want to follow all his ways, just the ones that are easy. <laughs> we want his forgiveness, but we won't forgive. We want his peace, but we fight with everybody. We want his financial blessing, but we're not, we're not prepared to sow money. Uh, God wants everything of us, the whole field. Jesus was beaten. He was mocked. He was scorned. He was nailed and crucified. He gave everything of, his, of himself for us, and he expects the same from us. Our relationships, it demands our finances, our relationships, our dreams, our hopes, our, our, our work, you know, everything. It's going to cost you and it's going to cost me, but wow, is it worth far more than anything this earth has to offer. Far more. Uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 73 verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire, desire besides you. Can we say this about Jesus? The earth has nothing I desire but you. Is he the most precious thing in your life? Do we prize him more than anything else? I was just reminded of two um, characters in the Bible, and um, they're different responses in following Jesus and the call that he had on their lives. And the first one was Mary. And let's just read it in John 12, verse 3. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And in this moment where Mary was with Jesus, this was a, a beautiful act of worship and devotion and affection for Jesus that she didn't count the cost. I mean, she, it wasn't a costly thing for her. That perfume cost her a year's wages, and she broke that alabaster jar, and that perfume it says in some of the Gospels, it, 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 she poured it over Jesus' head and his feet, and she untied her hair and washed his, his feet with her hair. And this was her act of worship. This, this, is, this cost her a year's wages, but he was worth it. He was absolutely worth it. Um, and some of the disciples said, this is a waste. We could have sold this perfume and, and, and you know, given it to the poor. But Jesus said, 
what she has done is a precious thing, and it'll be remembered in the years to come, wherever the gospel is preached. But then we look at another a character in the Bible, and this is of a, a rich young ruler, and he asks Jesus, he says in Luke 18, 22, well, he says, what do I need to do to have eternal life, Lord? And Jesus responds, he says, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad, because he was very wealthy, and it says that he walked away sad, and we don't know his name. This man will not be remembered. And you know what? God is not telling us to sell all our possessions <laughs> to um, follow him. He's dealing with the heart. What he was dealing with in this man is that he knew he treasured his possessions more than him. He wanted his whole heart. And he deals with our hearts. And he's asking us the same this morning. And um, I want to be remembered. I want my life to matter. You know what I mean? Um, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And true life is found when we surrender to Jesus. When we surrender our wills, the kingdom of self, for his kingdom, for his will, for his plans. And... Um, yeah, sometimes we need to lose to win because it's not what it costs. It's what it's worth. You know, going to church, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. But it's so worth it when you encourage maybe over coffee with a friend or in worship and God speaks to you and your faith is rising up as you worship together and hear the preach. It's going to cost you, but... It is worth it. Giving financially is costly, perhaps to the new building, giving financially, but... Think about these treasures that are stored in heaven, the lives that are going to be saved, people's lives that are going to be transformed in that area and many areas. Giving counsel and, and over and over and forgiving that person who's hurt you a few times is, is going to cost you, but it's worth it to see their freedom. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus um, 22 when I was about 22 years old, I'd given my life to the Lord as a little girl. My grandpa led me to the Lord, but I'd never really followed Jesus. I wasn't part of church. I didn't really follow his ways. I was partying, you know, really enjoying the party life. <laughs> and um, I didn't really go to church. We'd go to church on Christmas and, you know, Easter. I was too busy having fun. But um, there was a moment, a defining moment in my life where I had people pray for me, and I felt the presence of God. And I didn't hear his audible voice, but I clearly felt God say to me this. I felt him say, Candice, will you give up everything and follow me? Will you give me your all? And in that moment, it was like a, my life did a 180-degree turn. And I'm telling you now, I've never looked back. He has given me life. He has given me peace. He has given me a joy that is inexpressible, a peace that is indescribable. And um, we've been on such an adventure. It cost uh, Mark and I to, you know, when we went into full-time ministry, it cost us. We left our, our corporate jobs. And I'm not saying this is everybody's call. It's not everybody's call. But there's certain things that's going to cost you. And you know what those things are. And God's speaking to you today. And, you know, when we moved to Cape Town from Durban, it cost us. We, we left family that we'd, and friends for years that we'd been there. But we felt the call of God. And Jesus was so much more precious to us than anything, even family and friends. Jesus is number one. And um, 
but he's given us so much more. I would never have dreamed this is where we'd be leading Life Changes Church, seeing lives transformed, seeing the power of God, um, you know, and in the different churches and Century City and City. And he's given us an incredible family. God has given me family in this church, family, family. And um, Jesus said, I'm, I'm reminded of the scripture, and it's quite a hectic scripture, but Mark 10 verse 29, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me, those fields might look different for each of you and for the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. God has given Mark and our family. He has given us fields, Tableview, Century City, City, and he's got different fields for each of you. He's got that for you. You can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. This is the kingdom of the how much more. This is the kingdom of the how much more. How much more the Father. The Bible says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For Jesus, it wasn't what it cost, it was what it was worth. It cost him his life so that we could have life. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let Jesus be our greatest desire and treasure. He is worth it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Know his worth. Know his value. Know the cost. And with joy, let's buy those fields that lead to Jesus. So I'm just going to ask you to stand. And I really was just asking God, Lord, how, yeah, what can I pray, Father? And I just felt that with eyes closed, I just felt that perhaps some of us has got, have got distracted We've taken our eyes off of Jesus. We've got distracted. We've taken our eyes off the preciousness of Jesus. The kingdom of self has become bigger than his kingdom call. And um, perhaps apathy has come in the way or perhaps the hard knocks of life have come in the way. Taken our eyes off the preciousness of Jesus and his kingdom. And I just feel like perhaps for some of us with eyes closed, there almost needs to be a repentance. That you would just come in your own way, in the quietness of your heart, come before Him with honesty and truth. I'm just going to just be quiet and I want you just to come before Him and just repent and just say, Lord, forgive me where I've taken my eyes off of you. You once were precious and now I've got distracted. It's become busy. There's, life has been hard. I've become apathetic. Lord, I come to you and I repent. I surrender. I surrender my will for your will. I surrender my plans for your plans. Oh, Father, I pray for your people this morning, Lord, that they would see you again. Oh, God, that you would open up their eyes. You would open up their hearts to see the preciousness of Jesus this morning, that you would be our treasure, that you would be our prize above everything else, above everything else, above our relationships, above our families, above our, our finances, above our, our successes, our workspaces, Lord, our dreams. 
Your plans, your purposes are above, Lord. Have rulership, have reign today in our hearts, in our lives, and transform our lives that our hearts would burn after you again, Jesus. And from that place, we do all that you've called us to do, no matter the cost. Because it's not what it costs, Lord. You're worth it. You're worth it, Jesus. What an amazing word. We hope you enjoyed that sermon. If you would like to find out more about Life Changes Church, why don't you go onto our website or you can follow us on our social media. Have an amazing, amazing week.